Would you please turn with me this morning in the Bible to John's Gospel, chapter 6. We're going to read verses 1 through 13 for our text. Look at a couple verses in particular. John 6, verse 1 through 13. After these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. And the great multitude followed him, because they saw his miracles, which he did on them that were diseased. And Jesus went up into a mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. And the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was nigh. When Jesus then lifted up his eyes and saw a great multitude or a company coming to him, he saith unto Philip, Whence shall we buy bread that these may eat? And this he said to prove him, for he knew himself, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, Two hundred penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them that every one of them may take a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, saith unto him, There is a lad here, which hath five barley loaves and two small fishes. But what are they among so many? And Jesus said, Make the men sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, So the men sat down in number about 5,000. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples, and the disciples to them that were set down, and likewise of the fishes as much as they would. When they were filled, he saith unto his disciples, Gather up the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost. Therefore they gathered them together and filled twelve baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves which remained over and above unto them that had eaten. This is not a fairy tale nor a magic trick that Jesus did. It is restoring the natural order. It is a miracle. It is something that God did literally, and that God did in history, and that he did it for a little lad, and for his disciples, and for a multitude, and for you and me. I pray the Lord would help us this morning as we embrace this most familiar story of Jesus' miracle of taking five loaves and two fishes and feeding thousands of people, probably 10,000 at least. Most Bible scholars say that this crowd was probably the largest that gathered in front of Jesus for a miracle. This is, too, the only miracle that Jesus did that's recorded, that is recorded in all four Gospels. This is a miracle not of healing. But it's a miracle of creation. It is creating something that wasn't there before. Jesus can do that. 
And we need to embrace that. I believe that as we live in the life that we live in the world today, we need to be mindful of the miracle God that we have, of what Jesus can do with a little bit, of what obedience means to God and ought to mean to us. You remember uh, in Mark, uh, he records, the the Gospel of Mark records a, a situation that the disciples were at a sea and the storm came and they were so afraid. And Mark says this, he says, they forgot the miracle of the loaves. I wonder how many times we forget what God has already done for us. If we could just embrace this and remember, and I do pray that God would stir our hearts about this miracle that he would bless us by his grace and spirit, that we would be like that little lad, and that we would come away from here blessing him as the Messiah, the Savior, the omnipotent God, the one that can do anything. And I pray that God would help us to see him and bless him. It's easy to look at the circumstances of our life like the disciples did. They forgot to what Jesus had done already. And they said it can't be done. We need to know that it can be. We need to know that the math that Jesus uses is not taught in the schools today. For he multiplies by subtraction and division. But he is the omnipotent multiplier. He can take whatever you have and you give it to him, and he will bless it, and he will give us exactly what we need. And what we need is the bread of life, because our souls are hungry, and we're not going to find it in the government, and we're not going to find it in material things and status. It's only going to be in God. May God help us to see that in blessing today for his great provision. I've entitled what I want to try to say today, the providence of provision. I hope you see with me the providence of God in this story. That little boy just didn't happen to be there by chance. God sent that little boy there. And God has sent you into a kingdom, his kingdom, for such a time as this. See, providence, I've entitled it the providence of provision. Yes, God always supplies our need. He has promised that. In Christ, we have everything we need. If we could just get that settled in our hearts, we would have so much more peace and we would be able to enjoy God so much more. We would have less fear, less doubt, and more boldness, and be a faithful witness to God. But notice it's what this little boy had, not what he did. It's what Jesus did that matters. I want us to see you and me as this little boy, and this miracle as for us. You know, I think about this study in God's Word this week. 
Every Sunday morning I stand here by the grace of God in front of God's people like you are. And I feel just like that little boy with two fishes and five loaves. I have so little. And the devil is always telling us, well, what can you do? What difference does it make? And I have to remind myself, oh God, I'm going to give this to you as little it may be because the increase has to come from God, okay? If you want anything out of life, if you want to make your difference in life, it's not going to be anything but what Jesus does with what you have. And what you have it's from God. And he never says it doesn't matter and it's too little. He accepts it. He accepts sinners. He accepts our giving to him and transferring that to him. And oh, God said, it's yours, God. You do with it what you want. The providence of provisions. What is providence? Providence is a synonym for God. Okay. If you don't believe in providence, you do not believe in God. Okay. Providence is the working in our daily life by the unseen hand of God for a plan that God already knows about, for a purpose that He's given us. Sometimes it involves situations that don't make a lot of sense. Sometimes it involves hurt and trials and loss. But the providence of God is a plan that God has and that he works out. The difference in providence and faith is this. Faith is blind. Providence, Charles Spurgeon said, has eyes. See, God can see beyond what we can't see. Does not Jesus say, but he knew what he would do. (laughs) See, Jesus knew what he would do. We don't know what God will do. We don't know what God will bring. But we can be sure, because of his providence, and his faithfulness, that whatever he brings to us, he will bring us through it. And he means that. And he is faithful to that. I appreciate Melody's song, The Same God. And that is so true. The same God that did this miracle is the God we worship this morning here at 4 South Central Avenue. But I remind you, The devil is the same too. I remind you that we are the same in human nature. We still have to deal with the unredeemed part of our flesh, our doubts and our fears. We just wonder when we face unsurmountable odds, problems. We wonder how we're going to make it. What are we going to do when we see a nation crumbling before our our very eyes? We say, what can we do? 
What about our children and our grandchildren? Well, here's the answer. Jesus, what we need to do is take what we have. That might be a prayer. I don't know. But I'm going to tell you, your prayers in providence go together. God deals with providence of our lives by prompting prayers. See, we need to understand the comfort that providence gives us. I want to say three things from this text that I've never said before. And I've never heard anybody else say that. And that necessarily made me that was that good either, believe me. But I see the hand of God in this. You know, I remember, I don't know why I thought about this morning. I remember as a little boy. We're talking about Jesus loves little children. And you're going to be, you probably have thoughts in your mind of little things when you were little that became big things in your life. I remember my grandmother when I was just, man, I don't know, four or five, seems like. I remember sitting on her screen porch one summer, late in the evening, and she had a son that was about to die. And she said to a friend of hers that was visiting, she said to this lady, you know, I saw the hand of God in a dream. And she said, because of that, I have peace that God is in control and it's going to be all right. We see the hand of God in this. We see the hand of God in this little boy showing up with two fishes and five loaves. He put him in the right place at the right time. And that's what providence does. You know, even in trials and temptations, God is in control of all that. Hey, there's no such, such a thing as chance with God. We do not serve a chance, God. I mean, God is everything. In Him, we live and move and have our being, or we don't. Now, which is it? See, there's no accidents with God. God is not surprised. Here's the deal. This is what's confusing. Sometimes our plan B in life is actually God's plan A. We don't understand it. But you see, God is ever working that out. And so this little boy comes by the providence of God, does not the scripture say? There is a lad there. I want you to be reminded of something so simple that it'll shock you. It's about like telling a professional athlete, this is the ball. <laughs> this is what's shocking. You have a heavenly father. You understand that? You do have a God, a heavenly Father, and He will provide for you. His hand has got you. He's on you. He don't now only have you front, He's got you back and you up and down. <laughs> so my first point is that I want to see the hand of God. I want us to see it. I mean, you know in Scripture, the hand of God in deliverance. We can't even walk without him holding our hand. We can't. 
And when that famine was healed in Elijah's day, the, the Bible says there was a, a little Elisha, there was a little hand of God, a cloud about the size of a man's hand. And it hadn't rained for three and a half years. But it started with a hand. And we're going to have to be like this little lad. We'll say, God, this is what I got. It isn't much. But I, I want to give it to you. And God will use it. You know, I remember our faith. She was about five years old. We were going to build a chicken pen. And she wanted to build a chicken pen. And she said, Granddaddy, I'll help you. I will help you build that chicken pen. And she kept on reminding me of that. And so one day I said, okay, come on, let's go build the chicken pen. Now what did I do? We just laid the wire out and said, we stand on it, I'll clip it. I mean, my point is, I didn't say, well, what can you do? You can't do anything. God said to this lad, Jesus said, he didn't say, you're kidding me, son. You ever seen a little child just take what I got? I remember my little girls, we'd be on a vacation somewhere and there'd be somebody sitting beside a, a sidewalk with a cup, maybe wanting a handout or playing music. She said, uh, Daddy, can I give them a dollar? I mean, they want to give what they can. I mean, that is the willingness. That's why Jesus said, of such is the kingdom of heaven that we need to be like this little child. He wasn't ashamed of what he had. He said, well, here it is. He probably bought it for his lunch, I imagine. So the hand of God, first of all, that we are under. My first point is we're under God's hand, all of us. That's providence. We're under his hand. Psalms 31, 15 says, my times are in thy hands. Did you know that your life is in the hands of God? That you're under his hands? Look at Psalm, uh, Isaiah 40 with me, verse 21. Here's what it says. There's some providence of God verses. We might stay a little bit in this, but I might come back. It says, verse 21, Isaiah 40, Have ye not known? Have ye not heard? Hath it not been told you from the beginning? Have ye not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he that sitteth upon the circle of the earth, and the inhabitants thereof are as grasshoppers that stretcheth out the heavens as a curtain and spreadeth them out as a tent to dwell in. That means God is above this earth. That he controls this world and universe. In verse 23, that bringeth the princes to nothing. He maketh the judges of the earth his vanity. Did you know every leader that's ever risen and rule in this world has been from God, including Hitler, including Joe Biden, including all of these. God, you see, ordains powers that be according to Romans 13. Now, either God is in charge or he's not. That's what he's just saying. He said, I, I put him up, I put him, I don't know why. I don't understand it. But God does, okay? That's the providence of God. He has a purpose in it. And then he goes on and says, 
Yea, they shall not be planted, in verse 20, they shall not be sown. Yea, their stock shall not take root in the earth, and he shall also blow upon them, and, and they shall wither, and the whirlwind shall take them away as stubble. When I get ready for them to leave, they're going to leave. I'm going to take them out. That's what God says. To whom will you liken me? Or who shall I be equal, saith the Holy One? And then he goes on and says, I'm, I'm controlling nature. Lift up your eyes on high and behold the, who hath created these things that bringeth out their host by number. He calleth them all by names by the greatness of he, his might. For he that is strong in power, one, not one faileth. The Bible says he tells the stars. He names every star. God's got them named. Do you know that God knows every hair that's on your head? Matthew 10, 30 says that. Now, either God is true or he's lying. Which is it? Does God know? And you say, well, that don't make sense to me. It doesn't have to make sense. See, to be under God's hands, things don't have to make sense. Notice these people in this situation, they didn't, what sense did it mean to sit down? I mean, what sense does it mean when everything's going wrong that you just sit down and be still and know God? That's what Jesus said, sit down. I mean, we're just like little children. It's hard for us to sit down because we want to do something. You ever had to put your kid in time out? It's hard to do. That, that's probably worse than a whipping. And Jesus says, sit down. And sometimes when your faith fails, you know how to strengthen your weak faith? Obey God. Obey God. If you're going to see a miracle, you're going to have to obey God. And maybe, just maybe, because, because this COVID doesn't seem to want to go away and everything else, what, what about obeying God? <laughs> Why should God bless us anyway? <laughs> I don't know. We need to obey God. When they obeyed God, they just sat down and did what God said. You know, sometimes children, I remember mine when I was growing up, I did the same time, I'm sure. I mean, why? Why did you do this? Why can I do this? Sometimes you just say, because I said so. I mean, sometimes we got to see God and say, just because God said so. Why is marriage because between a man, one man and one woman? Because God said so. Why do I need to be baptized? Because Jesus said so. Why do I need to go to church? Because God says do it. I mean, we, we, just, we just don't understand what we need to is understand what Jesus does. He's going to do a miracle, but it starts with obedience. They didn't have any faith, but they had enough following motivation of Jesus. I'm God, I'm going to do what you say, God. And that's where we better get. Obedience is better than sacrifice. Secondly, not only was it under God's hand, that is God's control, but it's in his hands. See, Jesus took the loaves. Isn't it what he says? And Jesus took the loaves in verse 11. See, they transferred from this little boy to Jesus. He took the loaves. And that's what makes the difference. It has a different ownership. When we understand that our problems are in Christ's hands, we give to him. Psalms 145, 16 says, when we open our hands, or God's open 
He says, God opens his hands and provides for all his creatures. God is the great provider. And he does it by provision. And he does it by providence. You know, when you think about Joseph, there's so many cases we'd go in, in the Bible. And I'm, I'm, I'm a very afraid I'm going to run out of time here in just a minute. But here's the deal. I want you to see the providence of God. When Joseph in Egypt was sold into slave, why did his father Jacob send him to check on his brothers when he did? You think that what just has happened? Why did when he went to check, he didn't find his brothers in the place that he thought they would be? They had left Shechem and they were going to Dotham. Well, that's just an accident. Not an accident. Because that's where the Ishmaelites were going to be. And then when Joseph gets there, and, and, they, and they had been having thinking about what a braggart he was, and, and his brothers rose up against him, remember, and beat him and threw him in a pit, would have killed him. And all of that about the time these Israelites come by, this here's this guy that's taking prison. All of that is God's hand. I want you to know that some of the most terrible things that you think have happened to you and happened to this world is in God's hands. And he is the great prodder, and he shapes and molds this world, and everything is just right on time, even COVID-19. See, it shows us the miracle what God can do. What did Joseph do? He provided for his nation. And he ended up going to prison. Why did he expose the potter for when he did? And his wife. Why was she so full of lust? Why? Because it was a problem. It was where Joseph was going to be put in prison. And, and why would the butler and the, and the uh, banker be there and deny them? I mean, it's, it's just amazing to me. When you see God's providence work. And then Joseph told his brothers, you meant this feeble, but God meant it for good. To keep much people alive. I'll tell you what, there's going to be so much good coming out of COVID. I mean, God uses means. He didn't have to do anything but say food. <laughs> but he took what this little boy had. And sometimes God does use means. Sometimes he does use vaccines. He does. <laughs> sometimes God uses um, various things in life that means. He uses the church. He uses marriage as, as a means of his grace to strengthen us. He does, in God's hands. And then thirdly, Jesus, this little lad was there. We miss that sometimes. Why are you here? I want you to know God has a purpose for you. And he might not have a whole lot. But I want to ask you parents and grandparents, have you ever saw a picture your child or grandchild drew that was bad one? You know, they draw you a little picture from school when they're just in pre-K. And they bring it and say, Mama, look what I did today. What are you going to say? Well, that don't make sense to me. You're going to take them and hug them and say, Goodness gracious, what a great job. And you're going to probably put it on the refrigerator. We've got them there right now. I'm going to tell you that's just what Jesus does. When we become like little children, say, Jesus, this is what I want to give you. It's for your glory. 
And Jesus will take it and Jesus will use it. And then the last thing I want to say, not only are we under God's hands, not only are we in God's hands, but also what is on God's hands. Because on Jesus' hands are scars. That's the only thing that the Lord took from heaven, from earth to heaven, the scars. And if you're trying to serve a God or you think there's a Savior, and if you look at his hands and he doesn't have scars, he is an imposter. Because Jesus went to the cross. What does that mean to me? It means to us that he is not going to forget us. The cross proves Jesus is faithful. He says in Romans 8, the Apostle Paul says, if God is for you, who shall be against you? He that spared not his own son, how will he not with him freely give you all things? You know why that we have such abundant reason of life and joy? I don't tell you, you got to take these circumstances away. You got to look beyond that. You know, you can take a quarter about an inch in diameter and you can blind yourself. You can put that up close enough to your eye, you can't even see the sun. It's thousands and millions of miles. We have to see that Jesus died for us. And that takes away the doubt it did for Thomas and it will for us. Jesus showed him the scars. You know, I, this week, some of you, this won't make a bunch of sense. Few it will. Hope it will, all of you. But this week, uh, my little farm operation, I have a few cows, and they, they're having calves. And they're having them early, seem like this year, but they're healthy. And so the other day I was out in the pasture, you know, and it's just a miracle to see a little calf. I mean, it's just a flat miracle. And there was a couple born, you know, and I'd go out in the mornings and I didn't see the calf. And in my mind I said, oh gosh, uh, I bet the coyotes got that calf. You know, it's kind of like this. Your, your child goes out somewhere and says, my goodness, they'll get in a wreck. Or, or you know what? I'm going to get COVID. You know, I think sometimes we're so afraid that we're not serving God. <laughs> we're more afraid of COVID and problems than we are of God. See, in my little mind, I said, I, I know that calf's gone. I mean, the cows are over here on one side of the patch. Everybody's, not this one. One thing about that cow was standing, she was looking across the pasture. So I, I got in my truck and I rode around. I didn't see a thing. Notice the green grass in this field that these people sit in. That, that's not just happened to us either. God had even provided the grass for them to sit on. But you know what, I drove around, I never saw that calf that day, but I went home thinking, I said, you know what, I could tell that cow was okay. 
Because I knew I'd been around them long enough. If something wrong with that baby, that cow would have been just really going berserk. She's just calm as she could be. Sure enough, later after dinner, got in there and that little calf's over there. Yeah, mama knew it. God knows. I'm going to tell you this. God is not worried. You think God's worried? <laughs> no, he's not worried. And it's going to list. I'm going to try to leave you there. Either you can worry and doubt, or you can have confidence in God and trust him, but you cannot do both. May the Lord bless you. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you so much for your faithfulness and for your provision. We thank you for your providence. Even though we can't figure it out, nor really do we want to. But we trust you, Lord. Help us to be obedient. We bring you our two loaves and five, or, or two fishes and five loaves. And ever how scattered this little message has been to this good people, Lord, I realize what comes of it is what they do with it and what you do in their hearts. One thing is for sure, we're in your hands. Everything in our life is under your hands. And we are never going to forget the scars on your hands, oh God. Thank you for dying for us. Because really, that makes death not so bad after all. Bless us and comfort us through the grace of Jesus Christ. In his name I pray, amen.